Recovery is not a race. You don't have to feel guilty if it takes you longer than you thought it would. Hello listeners. Hope you're all doing great out there. Welcome to the second season of our podcast Cyclone by Cyc Club, the first mental health club of UIT Punjab University. In this podcast we will talk about mental health issues and uh, ways to fight them. I am Ayush and I am Priyank and we will be your hosts for the day. Today we'll talk about understanding addiction. But before we begin, we would like to introduce you to our guest for the day. Today we are in conversation with Ms Neetu Dalal. Okay, so before starting off the conversation, I would like to give a brief introduction about her. Ms Neetu did her graduation from Delhi University in psychology and did her post graduation in psychology from Banaras Hindu University. She has worked as a resource person in development of psychology in Punjab University Chandigarh and is currently working as a project management associate. Welcome ma'am. We are very excited to have this conversation with you. So let's dive right in. Thank you Priyank for having me. I'm happy to join in. Okay ma'am. I would like to ask you what are addictions and are there different types of addictions and if yes then what are they? Mm, so yes. Um we'll start by defining what an addiction is and like um, we'll probably know that addiction is an inability to stop using a substance or engaging in a behavior. even though it is causing us psychological and physical harm so the term addiction does not only refer to our dependence on the substance such as heroin or cocaine some addictions also involve the ability or the inability to stop partaking in activities such as gambling eating or working and coming to if there are different types of addictions then yes according to most of the experts we do recognize two types of addictions first are the chemical addictions this refers to addictions that involve the use of substances so for example alcohol addiction drug addiction this would include everything from nicotine cocaine heroin all of these fall under the chemical type of addiction now there's another type which we know as behavioral addiction this refers to addiction that involves compulsive behavior right so these are persistent repeated behavior that you carry out even if they don't offer any real benefit to you as a person so the examples of this category could be gambling addiction internet gaming addiction social media addiction so these are the two major categories we can divide addiction in right uh, so ma'am which type of addiction is more addictive can we like have a data on that so according to research medically chemical addictions are more addictive in nature but they have a lot more uh, modalities of treatment available on the other hand behavioral addictions are the one which most of the population deal with on day to day basis and this is something according to me which impacts the life of a person more severely because for example if it's a phone addiction this is something which will happen to you throughout the day whereas if it's an alcohol addiction it's it's comparatively restricted to a few hours so if you consider the modality or the scalability then behavioral addictions are uh, more generalized and affects you more yeah i mean <laughs> today kind of everyone is addicted to their phones right 
what according to you is the reason why people get addicted to certain habits you know like gambling online gaming what is the reason what pulls them in and you know never lets them out so we can answer this question looking at both the biology and the behavioral aspect of the person right so when you do something you find enjoyable whether that's hanging out with your best friend drinking a bottle of wine or using a drug like cocaine there's a reward system which in, gets involved and this reward system releases a neurotransmitter which we call dopamine along with some other chemicals right now this chemical dopamine this reinforces our brain's association between that particular thing which you are doing and the feeling of pleasure so if you like hanging out with your friend then meeting that friend will lead to the release of this particular hormone and this will reinforce your action of meeting this particular friend right and this drives us further to do those things in the future so this is primarily a reason why people get addicted so it's also an aspect of biology which comes in now this desire to experience this euphoria again will trigger cravings for the substance or behavior so for example if it is alcohol and if you think that having a particular kind of alcohol gives makes you feel better then this will lead to the craving of having that particular kind of alcohol even in the future this becomes more prevalent when you're around the same cues so for example if you're um, hanging out with a friend who drinks or if you're at a party all of this will lead to you developing those cravings and these are sometimes the first signs of addiction that you can see in a person right uh, uh, so ma'am can we hack our biology like for example <laughs> if we want to study can we hack our biology uh, and get a uh, dopamine from studying like is that possible just a query absolutely absolutely we can we as humans are the most intelligent homo sapiens that are there and we can definitely trick our mind to like something that we normally generally don't like so for example if i don't like studying right yeah if i follow this up with an activity that i find enjoyable so let's say i study for half an hour and then go out with the person that i actually want to meet so this reinforcement that will come post the half hour of studying will trick your mind into making you feel that you also enjoy studying because after that comes what you actually like so that is something that we can do to trick our mind into releasing dopamine Oh, that is great! Every engineering student, please take a note of it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so ma'am, uh, can we get addicted to any activity if we just do it once? And if yes, then how does this happen? Uh, so the answer to this question is both yes and no, because we are all different individuals, and depending on your psychosocial construct, your biology, the answer could vary, right? So, for example. if um i have a history where uh, my parents were into drinking so i will be more susceptible on um, developing if i face it like even just a few number of times right and although everybody's path to addiction is very different whether he or she tries a drug or a behavior because it's what the person's parents or peers do or even if you try it out of curiosity so that happens in teenager that probably you have a friend who smokes and you think it's really cool because that's what our movies our social media kind of projects yeah. right so this comes across all substances and behavior addictions 
because they have the stunning ability to release dopamine so even if it's not doing anything to you chemically probably the first time you're doing it but it is reinforcing you socially why because if you smoke and there's a friend who says you know okay you're cool that yeah. also works as a reinforcement and then of course if somebody reinforces you your chances of uh, taking part in that particular activity increases and then just that one number of one time that you st- try doing something will lead to more number of times you doing it and again your body will get used to the release of dopamine and this will trigger your cravings of having that particular thing so the answer to this if i have to sum up is that it totally depends on how much your self control is so there are a lot of people who try something the very first time and they don't like it for example a lot of people have beer and they say why do people have beer because it's so kadwa right <laughs> so it also totally depends on what meaning you associate with that so it's an individual answer to this question but yes there are chances that you can get addicted to something even once if the reinforcement was very strong okay ma'am some people say you should try everything at least once what is your take on that so the answer again is very subjective so if if the question says that you know should we try everything once then no don't try killing somebody once <laughs> right because that would make you a murderer even if you do it once so then we have to see what are our likings what we do want to try if you want to try it because of your own intrinsic motivation then very well go ahead and do it but also be very well aware of what the consequences will be so probably this should come with a disclaimer that don't kill someone though yeah <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the teenagers hmm. uh, we are very addicted to our smartphones and social media always right. in a hurry to check every single notification so can you tell how they develop such a uh, can how they can develop such a healthy relationship with technology and not get addicted to it so now uh, this is nowadays not just i think this question is will not only be applicable to teenagers nowadays because technology has seeped into everybody's life especially with i think covid happening pandemic coming into our lives even teachers for that matter everybody was on their smartphones checking you know if there's a query from a student or just to connect with people if they are safe so this is kind of become a generalized scenario for all of us now why does that happen is because every time you get a notification that too works as a reinforcement because you feel that somebody who is your loved one might send you a text right and this works as a reward for us and ultimately leads us constantly checking the phone to receive that particular reinforcement so how you open your instagram and you refresh your feed even if there's nothing new you keep doing it a number of times after every minutes because you feel what if there's something new so when you refresh and there's something new that works as a reward for us and therefore this is what goes on at the behind the scenes of your brain now i know there's a lot of advice out there that suggests you drop your smartphone and take a break yeah you know how people tell you that you should take a social media detox yes yes um, yes sir but taking according to my opinion taking a complete 100% break doesn't really work that well because ultimately once you come back and once you are off that break things go again hey bye right so 
taking a break is important but you need to gain some perspective on how to also use it efficiently and kind of include it in your routine from day to day so what we can do instead of taking a complete break all the time whenever you feel is that we can set boundaries yeah so for example when you wake up most of the times when you wake up you, the first thing you touch is your phone absolutely right so you you can set boundaries where you feel that you know i will not use my phone for the first half hour of waking up setting this boundary is a better is a much more healthier way of limiting your screen time rather than just having a 100% break another very important thing i feel is like for i'll give you my example nowadays we have like hundreds of apps on our phone and every other second you get a notification right yeah now as a human because we are multitaskers there's a tendency for you to open that notification no matter what you're doing so the advice would be that limit your notifications if it's a app which you feel will does not require an immediate response switch off the notification for that particular app for example amazon or flipkart now it's a shopping site right it will not pass on a message to you which will have life or death bearings to it So you can limit off the notification and only check when you feel like you know you want something to do with it. Then of course there are other things like you can manage usage, you can track how much screen time you have, use DND when particularly you are doing something which is important. Also respect sleep, respect your own sleep. So like remove um it's often said that you know you should not put your phone right next to your bed. it has both um you know biological harmful radiations as well as you constantly keep thinking you know what's happening so that's also something that we can do to kind of develop a healthy habit with social media or with your phone okay so um moderation is the key right absolutely we- and learning that is very difficult i must say because <laughs> it takes practice it takes routine it takes discipline and take one step at a time and probably you can reach a place where you have a respectful healthy boundary with media yeah so do not just go 100% into eliminating it have moderation while right. using it yes okay ma'am there is a wide range of things a person can get addicted to when does something switch from being good and positive into crossing over to addiction this is a brilliant question because sometimes when we start doing something we feel that probably it starts off as a good thing yeah but yeah. once there's a lot of usage it kind of crosses over to the fence and reaches the other side where it's not healthy anymore um so one of the first signs you have to look out for is whether you can maintain self control or not for example if you like hanging out with your friends that's good you know and we all need a social get togethers we all want to refresh reboot but look out for whether you have self control in going out or no if you think that you have an important exam tomorrow and you're still not able to control yourself from sitting at home and studying and still you want to go out then that is a sign which is clearly telling you that now it's become problematic yeah mm-hmm. and of, of course this will come with a few changes that will come for example you will seek out situations that will encourage a particular substance or behavior so for example if i only smoke with my friends then i will want to be with them a lot more times than is required yeah 
another thing which can change is your behavior so you'll include a lot of secrecy in your behavior so if your parents are asking you where are you going you can just say you know and there's this thing i have some work you will not open up to them so your behavior would change and i think that's one tip for parents as well they can check look out for these things <laughs> next is health related of course so if you if there's an addiction or if somebody um you know it's become negative for you so you'll have impact on your health for example loss of sleep memory loss or you will be continuously agitated or you know angry frustration will be there so someone with an addiction won't stop their behavior so somebody who has an addiction will not stop even when they recognize that it's become problematic because now they lack self control so these are some things which which do tell you that something which was initially good has now become negative right so i think it like uh, the previous point comes across again moderation yes yes absolutely uh so mem addiction like we talked mem it's not uh, visible physically so how do we know someone is addicted hmm so Or like are I... there any major major signs and symptoms that we should look out for okay so we touched on this in the last answer as well a bit but then i'll elaborate on that so some behavior and emotional changes that are associated with addiction and one should look out for if you know you're trying to see if your somebody in your friend circle or your family has addiction first is that there will be unrealistic or poor assessment of pros and cons associated with substances so for example if there's a person who has for example weed a lot of people who are weed users will tell you that it has healthy advantages yeah. Yeah, 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 or yeah. it's good for you or you know little alcohol is not bad or wine is not bad it actually improves your memory and all of that so when somebody there's a bias in judgment and they start telling the telling you the advantages of it that's that's one thing you should it should tick you off right so that's one sign where the person loses a sense of uh, clarity as to what is right and what is wrong second very important point is that the person because now these are all behavioral changes that come in right there will be no red light which will pop up when the person is has started to go into addiction Mm-hmm. So second thing you have to look out is that the person starts blaming everybody else for their problems. So if it's me I'm not able to get um good marks in school or if I'm not able to perform well in my academia I'll probably start blaming everybody else. The teachers are not teaching nicely or you know I don't have the required technology to study. I don't have the books or there's not good environment at home. so you stop taking responsibility or accountability for your own self that's second then we have of course the common ones like there will be increased levels of anxiety there can be depression the person can constantly be in a really agitated mood right and then also i feel which is something very important but often overlooked is that people this trouble identifying your own feelings you feel very lost or the person will feel very lost and not know how they feel in a particular moment and they will not be able to identify their emotions so the emotional intelligence of the person will drop and that also should tell you because the person is in your inner circle and if you maintain contact then you should be able to notice the difference in these particular signs and symptoms that the person has now probably started going into addiction 
All right. So I think now we are much more equipped to identify if someone is addicted or not. Thank you, ma'am. Hmm. Uh, it's actually not uncommon to hear that someone who has suffered a traumatic experience now struggles with addiction. So, how do you think someone's trauma can change into an addiction, or how much trauma is responsible for someone to getting addicted to something? To a great extent, the answer to this question is almost around seventy percent. If I have to give it a number, then almost seventy percent people who have had the experiences of trauma. do get into the trap of addiction right now we have to understand that the road between substance abuse and trauma is a two way street right so the trauma increases the risk of developing substance abuse and substance abuse also increases your likelihood of experiencing that trauma again right because mm-hmm. you do engage in high risk behavior so it is also true that individuals who are abusing drugs or alcohol are less able to cope with traumatic events so let's say if i'm somebody who's a chain smoker the very first inconvenience that happens in my day for example if if my boss yelled at me the first response or the first thing i will think of is that i need to smoke right yeah. now it depends on how much you're prone to developing an addiction will depend on how severe your trauma was now most of the traumas that a person experiences are most often related or rooted in your childhood and because at that particular time you were not equipped with dealing with that particular trauma so it resurfaces right so you do um you know want to do something or you want to because you're not you don't know what's the healthy way of coping so as a result you often more than not turn to the unhealthy habits and the most accessible are it's a cigarette it's an alcohol hard drugs like of course cocaine heroin are also available then for that you'll have to really have to dig a little more deeper than smoking and alcohol so for yes. most of smokers and alcohols trauma is definitely a cause why they turn towards addiction for sure i think we all know someone who has had a breakup and they started smoking absolutely because also they kind of justify it in their head they feel that you know they are low and they deserve a smoke or um, you know how the perceived image of a heartbroken lover is shown on television or on exactly. in movies you know yeah so they all submerge themselves or their sorrows in a bottle of whiskey or in a bottle of rum you know and it looks cool and you feel that that's what you're supposed to also behave in that particular way otherwise you feel if i'm not am i not grieving enough like i've just had a breakup <laughs> so it's also the role social media or media in general also plays on to you um uh, what is your take on like uh, should movies depict these kind of things or should we restrict our children to you know not uh, fancy them so definitely movies need to take a more responsible take on what they are showing right because as kids when we are in in the childhood age where probably not all kids have an elder supervising them okay ma'am so i would like to ask you now that how addiction affect our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with others um so addiction firstly affects all areas of life right but why relationship becomes more important is because this this is an area which is very close to us right so whether it is relationship with ourselves or with others this becomes a very prominent part of our social life 
so to answer your first question how it affects the relationship with we have with ourselves first it takes a toll on your self esteem why because you constantly make commitments you constantly make promises which you're not able to then fulfill because your addiction comes in between right so for example if i tell my kids that okay tomorrow we're going to go to the amusement park and then yeah. at night if i choose to have because probably i'm addicted to alcohol i do over i will not be able to meet that deadline or uh, fulfill that promise so as a result of all this um, you know things that you're not able to do or you're not able to meet people's expectations it takes a toll on your self esteem and you yourself kind of falls in your own eyes so your whole self image in your head changes so that's one and this this impacts everything that you do whether professionally personally or uh, you know in your relationships with people even though they are out of your life per se but then this will impact your confidence so therefore this will impact you completely 100% second thing it does is i think it develops it leads people to developing a sense of abandonment or a fear of abandonment why because if there's a person for let's say if i'm married and there's a partner who has a few expectations from me in terms of um, you know what i do how i present myself and if i'm somebody who's addicted to drugs then i will not be able to i will continuously disappoint him and there will come a point when the person will not be able to cope up anymore and in my head as a addict it will always be a thing in my head where i feel what if this person leaves me right so it makes you very insecure it makes you very possessive it in fact makes you very cynical also at times right so these are i think two ways that it impacts you and of course along with this comes the impact it has on you financially right because of course you bear the cost of whatever you are addicted to so having if it's a cigarette it will impact you financially but probably it will not impact you as much if you're into alcohol cocaine heroin the hard drugs mm-hmm. of it so it does impact almost all areas of your life when if we talk about um, you know how it impacts ourselves or our relationships what's more interesting is to see how this impacts your relationship with other people right or with people who are there in your life firstly it makes it very difficult to maintain trust respect and open communication right because and these are all very critical elements of a healthy relationship so when a person gets addicted to a substance they revolve their life around that particular drug obtaining it using it constantly getting in touch with people who are brokers who will kind of help them to obtain that particular drug yeah. and this this you know and of course this is a stressful process because it has its own legal sides of it and you know the jurisdiction side of it where you don't want to get caught all of this leads you to neglect your responsibility with whatever it might be like as a father as a as a mother as a daughter whatever whichever role you might be in and as a result your partner or your um, any person that you're in relationship will feel very hurt angry and often betrayed right so right. some of the things where it impacts some areas where it impacts even more than this is three or three which is one financially sexually and emotionally right so we'll come to financially first now no matter what you're addicted to your addiction will cost money now it's not like free breathing air right if that would be the case all of us would be addicted so addiction is a very very costly game for the person as well so when someone brings their addiction in the midst of a serious relationship 
एडिक्ट्स में रिजोर्ट टू स्टीलिंग मनी फ्रॉम यू नो प्रॉब्ली जॉइंट बैंक अकाउंट और वॉलेट सो इफ इफ आई एम समबडीटेड एंड आई हैव अ पार्टनर एंड ऑफकोर्स नो मैटर हाउ मच आई विल बी ओनिंग दे विल कम अ पॉइंट बिकॉज आई हैव माई ओन एक्सपेंसिस वे मनी विल फॉल शॉर्ट and also sure, addiction sure. is not like you have to like do it in once in a month it's something you want to do more and more so as a result people often tend to steal either from their parents their partner or anybody who they can actually lay their hands on and this of course leads to a lot of guilt if you've got then of course the relationship can end or there can be loss of trust which was there mm-hmm. so it it impacts you financially takes a toll right therefore a lot of children who whose parents were addicted do have financial difficult childhood right because the parents yeah. couldn't meet the ends next thing is sexually if if we talk about a romantic relationship then drugs actually impact your relationship sexually in very different and very sensitive ways firstly it has biological effects so it will lead to um you know problems like limitation of libido limitation of erection ejaculation and even fertility so when oh. there, there there are partners who are trying to conceive doctors often tell the person or the male partner more so that you know if you're a smoker then don't do it for a few months right so th- that there's the biological aspect of things and then of course there's apart from these physical detriments that happen then it also leads to cases of cheating or cases of you know what we know as infertility right or because see if you are somebody who's into drug abuse of course your judgment is biased right or it there will come a point when you're not thinking straight so this can lead you to cheat on your partner probably with somebody who does use that particular drug because you feel that this past oh, partner yeah. this person is understanding me more because he knows what i'm going through yeah, right have... and yeah we have a vibe and you know we are chill and you know we kind of are in the same space and that leads yeah. you to cheat on your partner and, and ultimately it impacts your relationship both emotionally as well as sexually so that's another side of it now of course if this is what is happening then the relationship will go down to drains in the long sure, run sure. yeah finally uh, is the emotional aspect of it of a relationship that you have now of course because it's impacting you financially and sexually it will have its effect on the person emotionally as well right and it will not come as a surprise that anybody who is addicted it takes a toll on their relationship and see if you're a partner you do ex- have certain expectations from your partner in terms especially in india probably if it's an husband and a wife relationship so the wife will expect the person to take care of the finances mm-hmm. or have responsibility of the house and if the person is a drug abuser these responsibilities will more often be not met right mm-hmm. and of course then there will be arguments there will be mistrust neglect you know even aggression to some point so this does take the you know emotional aspects of things also along with it so these are the major ways in which it according to me impacts the relationship the drug addict or the addicted person will have with other people okay that's quite an elaborate answer uh ma'am at the first glance whenever someone uh sees uh, an, an an addict like mm-hmm. uh, who's you know probably smoking or doing any kind of addiction they say that if this is such a bad thing if you know that this is a bad thing if you are uh, you know like the person who smokes also kinds of sometimes say that yeah i know it's bad but even right. then i cannot get rid of it why is that right. like 
so you have to understand that it's a lot of conditioning which goes into it and the moment you do something it becomes okay for you to do it right oh. so for example if i am not a smoker i might see somebody and say you know such a bad habit but the day i do i smoke i i decide to light a cigarette what will happen because now i have done it my way of looking at it will change right mm-hmm. so though i might be the most educated person or it might be a doctor and they know this has detrimental effect for you but because it's become a coping mechanism for them so they do they so they tell you that they know it's bad but on the inside it's like it's this is the only thing which is helping me and how would you understand right because you don't right, even do right. it so then it kind of becomes a reinforcement and a conditioning game and it becomes very difficult until your friend circle changes your um, cues changes your surrounding changes to kind of change that particular habit you might be aware that it's bad but you still as a way of reinforcement do it but yes for people who are aware that it's bad the guilt is much more than people who consider it good so that's the difference i really like that point that you know once you have done something it's okay right right like uh, uh, <laughs> that's how a psyche works yeah i know a lot of friends who never you know uh, will not bunk classes and then once they bunk a single class that's it like you know it's, it's the it's game okay. is changed <laughs> yeah now they can easily bunk uh, classes <laughs> right right um so if someone is addicted to something then how can they come out of that and how to avoid falling prey of it again Mm, so there are multiple answers to this but the professional way of answering this is to say that there are some ways you can take help right for example of course there's medical or medication based treatment so yes. if you know that you know how you will read government advertisements that you know contact no smoking or if you want to contact yes. or get rid of it contact this number yes. also you have it very much on the cigarette packet as well on alcohol bottles also that if you want to quit you know contact this number this website so there's like what yeah yeah it's it's always there but of course because somebody for which it's a reinforcement they'll choose yeah, to ignore they, it they... how it's also written you know this causes cancer yes it is written out there right so people choose to ignore that because it's easier for them to ignore and they kind of if they will address it it will lead to more guilt so they choose to not that register So one of the methods you can treat and try not to fall prey to it is when when you seek medical based treatment or medication based treatment right so there's a full method to this full process to this where you consult a doctor the doctor works with you medically so that you know you don't have to light a cigarette to get that dopamine effect right and they induce medication where you will have the same effect even without taking that particular substance okay another is behavioral therapy or counseling this should ideally be followed with medication so for example if it's a you know how people are also addicted to aggressive behavior yeah yeah or gambling behavior now these are things where a doctor will not be able to do much because there's nothing wrong in you chemically if it's a gambling yes. game so here the behavioral therapy or counseling comes into play where the person wants to know why you're doing it and there are different kind of therapies you know we have rational emotive therapy we have cognitive behavior therapy so all the counselors therapists they work with you they try to understand what makes you feel better and why you do a certain thing and then they try to find a solution or guide you in a better direction so that is second 
another very common one which which i think i believe there are also advertisements for this in the media is the nicotine patches where you have medical devices um, you know to deal with the withdrawal that you might have so there's a nicotine patch which um, gets um, you know it's put on your shoulder and you press it and there's a shot which you get and this relieves you of the craving for having a particular this is mostly used for cigarettes but of course then this can also be done for other substances oh. so so these are the most common ways then apart from this of course there can be ongoing care going on for so that you don't relapse or you can also a lot of people who deal with addiction probably you know especially cocaine and um, you know heroin tend to go into depression if they've had if they've used it for a longer period of time and then this leads to depression so if that's your case or if you feel that you know you've crossed that bridge and now you're also having psychological effects then definitely mm-hmm. you have to have that as well looked at right so i think uh, if you take care of all these things and you keep going to therapy then there are chances that you will not fall prey to it and even if you do I think that acceptance has to be there that it's okay to try again. Don't try it once and then leave thinking that anyways I quit. You just have to get up every day and show up for yourself. Right. Uh ma'am, uh, do you have any uh, knowledge about the first time uh, these cigarette companies uh, you know wrote on their packet that it is cancerous? Like do they knew that even though we will write it is causing cancer people will still buy it? So this is very interesting now I don't know which year this happened in but I do recall that there was a research medical research which proved which very efficiently proved that you know cigarettes are a major cause or there's a major correlation behind how, you know how much you smoke and whether yeah. you develop cancer or not so mm-hmm. this was not a choice which was there with the companies rather it was a mandate put on by the government for them to write right okay. but they did not interestingly the companies did kind of fear this because they thought people would stop like because oh. if it's so evident and if there are hideous pictures in the package <laughs> and it's written so boldly people will buy it less yeah but somehow the psyche works in a way that people just chose to ignore this completely and this did not even drop the percent Wow. Because that's how deep rooted it gets, you know. That's how reinforcing it gets for a person. So even if they see it right in front of their eyes, it doesn't matter to them. That's how. That's how much it has seeped into their lives. Interesting. So like, it's not that easy as people might think, you know. These addictions. Not at all. Not at all. And it's a far more complex thing than just saying somebody that you know. Why don't you just quit? It'll be so yeah, good for you. Quit. Yeah, but then how? That's the way how people say to people who are depressed also. Now just be happy. <laughs> It's not a big deal. Just watch something which makes you feel good. But that's not yeah. how. That's not how easy or simply wired our brains are. So, uh, so um, I would really like to ask that how can we help a loved one who has an unhealthy addictions? How can we help them come out of it? You know, like we. we might have someone who is addicted and who we you know have a direct relation with uh, and we share our lives with them so how can we help them get out of this addictions mm-hmm. so let's say if you are the caregiver of this particular person let's say you've married a person who's had this okay. you you get to know that you know this person is addicted so there are mm-hmm. of course if the person is not ready to seek medical help you can become a bridge you can you know 
make them aware or then make them ready to seek help because a lot of people do know that they smoke a lot or they drink a lot or they abuse certain substances but they are often not ready to seek medical help because they're like oh no no i'll leave it i'm not addicted i know i use yeah, a little yeah. more than which is required but no no this is not a problem it's completely under control <laughs> so you can change their perspective and tell them that no now this become a problem right so you can help them seek all the methods that i mentioned in the last uh, query that you can help them find a counselor you can help them reach a doctor apart from all of this there are a few do's and don'ts i have for somebody who's looking after or somebody who's a partner or who's involved with somebody who's an addict firstly okay. like do the first thing i'll i'll list out three do's that you should be looking out for okay so you, ha- you should be focusing on building trust to the person or so, trust with the person so that they will be more likely to listen to you right mm-hmm. if you if the trust is less you might be saying the right things you might be trying to trying your best to help them out but they will not listen to you because there's a lack of trust in that particular relationship yeah second is like be very honest with the person and let them know that addiction is affecting your life as well and in fact it is also affecting the relationship with you have that with with that person mm-hmm. right because this kind of helps them understand that what they are doing is has consequences not just for them but it also affecting the lives of people they love right, right? so that also becomes extremely significant in them kind of registering that okay they should start working towards this then of course the third point will be that respect their privacy you know while being supportive like how you know parents get a little too possessive when they know yeah. that you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they kind of bridge the privacy bridge together right so you have to you know there's something wrong but don't become don't take up their space completely give them their privacy don't just jump into their room or like barge into their room seeing whether they are drinking or not respect their privacy while being supportive show them yeah. that you trust them and if you also make it very evident that okay i trust you that you will not but i give you the space to tell me if you do i will not yeah. judge you for it so these are some of the things we can do also don't force them to quit this is also i think something very important because a lot of partners just say you know that just no either choose yeah. me or this like yeah. either it's a alcohol or it's me so don't don't put them in a place where they have to decide because anyway they're going through something which is difficult for them as a person so so don't do uh, like you know these are some of the things you should be doing and don't force them some of the don'ts that i have which are very interesting is like don't threaten them don't give ultimatums that you have 3 months and you know you come out of this or you know then it's it's an <laughs> end game go. for us don't do that because then it affects the person and the person this will impact the trust also you have because yeah. even if the person is doing it after 3 months they will not open up to you let me be very straight they'll completely hide it right right also don't criticize <laughs> right so this can because this leads the person to like feel very shamed you know and this lessen their belief in the fact that they can quit so the moment you start the moment you start criticizing them they feel that you know probably it's not within my capacity to leave this oh yeah also don't expect immediate change so sure, sure. if you if you start helping the person out today don't think that tomorrow it's going to all become mm-hmm. you know shiny and bright 
it's going to stay gloomy for a bit and then you have to recovery takes time and setbacks will be happening right so just be ready be prepared give the person the pad to kind of come to you and share what they are feeling emotionally because that catharsis also really helps so i think these are some of my ways or my uh, in my idea that these are some of the ways a loved one can help a person who's dealing with unhealthy addictions right uh so now we know that you know it is really important to seek medical advice if you're um having some kind of addictions but uh in your opinion how important are people around you in helping you come out of this addiction very very important because see somebody like i said that there can be a few triggers for you so probably i can be a person who doesn't smoke or doesn't drink at home but if i go for a party i do smoke sure, sure. so so if it is my friends if they can change the plan for me and they they can be sensitive and they realize that okay let's not take this person to a party because then the person is on a way of recovery and this will probably trigger him so let's rather go to a movie theater and watch a movie so there this one mindful decision can really help you stay on your path for recovery so small small steps like these do make up for a big change in the longer run you know right. so so social support definitely and in india it's mostly friends because in india we don't open to our parents as much so then i think the whole responsibility lies on the shoulders of our friends but in case you have opened up to your parents and they can support you and they can not shame you for that hmm. that also will be a great plus you know for you to recover yeah uh, ma'am uh, as far as i know there is a mental stigma you know that if you are addicted or if you are depressed you should like people are often reluctant to seek medical advice right, uh, right. why is that like in the case often i feel that you know if you people firstly think that you are useless if you're addicted the moment you tell them that if you tell them that i smoke occasionally mm-hmm. they'll see okay that's okay but if you tell them i'm a chain smoker they yeah. instantly judge you and they will feel that you know and not so much with smoking actually they, because this is something still very common and it's kind of still yeah, we something we see in our day to day lives but if you mm-hmm. go to hard drugs like weed heroin cocaine then mm-hmm. to matlab if you tell someone it's a big no no nobody's going to get married to you nobody's going to give your their daughters to you and they'll feel that you're actually you'll do nothing and they lose hope the moment you tell them right right so i think this is something which has to be accepted as a society and you have to give the person the liberty or the chance to help themselves out and because you as a person will play a role in that so if you lose hope then there's no you know no hope for the person anyway and the person will lose hope in themselves and right. stigma i think why the stigma this is a very difficult question to answer because we still have stigma around depression we still have stigma around you know so many mental disorders where there's yeah. none of our rules to play it's just that you know like how anybody can have covid in the same fashion anybody who has a low social support can have depression yes yes right? people do not recognize this yeah but nobody shaming you for having a low immune system and getting covid but they do shame you for having like you know the low boundary or low uh, social support or not having yeah. the right mental strength and then have depression right so it, it's a steady change which's coming and it will it will still take decades for us to reach a space where nobody is judging each other but we are mm-hmm. still very far from that and i think as humans we tend to see the negatives in a person far more quickly than the positives yeah 
so this is like a universal thing we do to each other and then it also ends up happening to us as a result right so right. i think as a society we need to be more mindful be more sensitive and then only there can be a change which will come so we hope that uh, comes very quickly uh so uh, yeah we we a psychologist hope so too <laughs> so uh at last ma'am uh, if you have uh, to say some you know like if you have to give a final message to our audience uh, regarding this topic of addictions what would that be a final message my final message would be that always know what or where you come from know somebody who's reached a space where there it's become unhealthy for them be very kind like you know how they say that if you choose to be anything always choose to be kind whichever yeah. situation either you or your person or your partner or your friend might be always choose to be kind to them because kindness can lead to a lot of hope and sure. don't underestimate this power so that's i think one thing that i will say apart from the awareness or the message that i've passed before so yeah i like to end on that it was such a nice message uh so take care of your loved ones you know um so right. thank you ma'am for taking out your time to be here with us today it was really a nice session i really liked uh, the conversation with you and i think all of our listeners would feel the same way uh thank you to our listeners for tuning in and we will be back with more episodes so make sure to check out them stay safe take care of your physical health and please take care of your mental health as well Thank you. Thank you ma'am. Thank you Priyanka.